This is a special edition of the RTI Press Pass powered by Rocky Top Insider. Here are your hosts, Jack Foster and Ryan Shumpert. Hello, everybody, and welcome back into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Foster, alongside Ryan Shepard, coming at you on a great Thursday afternoon, June 8th. Here, I'm in my very lively Paris, Tennessee studio, and Ryan's back in Knoxville after we were in Clemson this past weekend. And Ryan, Tennessee is going to Hattiesburg this weekend as Southern Miss is hosting the Super Regional. We knew it was either going to be Southern Miss or Penn as Tennessee's Super's opponent. When we last podcasted, Southern Miss went on to win two straight against Penn to win the Auburn Regional. And then the NCAA chose Hattiesburg as the host site for the Super Regional to much, you know, backlash and controversy from Tennessee fans. As You know, it was a close call, and there's arguments for either side and definitely an argument for the Tennessee side that has a lot of points to it, right, that left Tennessee fans angry. So we are going to start this podcast today by talking about – Hattiesburg getting the host site, but before we do that, Ryan, just how you doing on this Thursday, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm I'm tired. I'm uh, a little bit exhausted, but that's the nature of postseason baseball or postseason basketball, any of it really. So uh, it's uh, it's a grind. I've definitely lost track of my days, especially with this week coming up being a Saturday through Monday series. Uh, but doing good, along for the ride, trying to churn out as much uh, good content for uh, all the, the listeners and readers out there. Absolutely. And I feel like Rocket Top Insider killed it with content uh, over this past week with Tennessee baseball. There's a lot going on. And, you know, Ryan was pretty much the first to write about the tickets. I know that was a big thing <laughs> that was circulating the Weber Nets a, a couple of days ago. So let, let's go ahead and jump into this. Hattiesburg selected as the host site. What was your instant reaction? I know, you know, we keep up with college baseball experts on Twitter and they were like, hey, Hattiesburg has a great case to host. Southern Miss has a great case to host. So it wasn't necessarily a surprise or big surprise, but just what was your reaction to the news? Um, yeah, and I, I'd kind of gotten a sense from talking to some Tennessee people that there wasn't a ton of optimism from them that Tennessee was going to get the host. So it was kind of like, gosh, they they actually did it. They It's what I, I kind of expected, but like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to drive seven hours to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, which I I don't even want to hate on Hattiesburg. I've never been. Could be yeah. a great city. But southern Mississippi in the middle of June, that's seven hours away. It just doesn't, that just doesn't sound fun, especially when if things go well for Tennessee next week. It's going to be like a 48 hour turnaround and just trying to get out to Omaha. So it's a lot, but you go where they send you and the NCAA is uh, sending the Vols and, and the media to Hattiesburg. Yeah, I, I like what you kind of said there. Wow, they actually did it because yeah, you know, you'd heard it, but you're like, really, Hattiesburg over Knox? Like, surely, okay, come on, that they're gonna get to their senses and come to their senses, and it's not gonna happen. But then it did happen. Hattiesburg gets the host site. You know the the, the points to Southern Miss's argument, I guess, is that they were able to, you know, have a higher attendance per game than Tennessee this season. They don't necessarily have as big of a ballpark as Lindsey Nelson, but they were just able to sell more tickets throughout the season, right? And have a higher attendance rate. And also Southern Miss, when you look at just the resume, they won their conference. They have a better overall record, but there's just a litany of other things that favor Tennessee metrics wise and resume wise. One being RPI, which it seems like the NCAA lives or dies by based off of, you know, the the regional host 
15 of the 16 regional hosts were in the top 16 in RPI. So, you know, as far as the RPI goes, especially, it feels like the NCAA just kind of abandoned what they had done in the past this season. 100%. And uh, I think going into the NCAA tournament, Tennessee was one ahead of Southern Miss in RPI. So, like, from that standpoint, it's kind of like, all right, whatever, close enough. But after the first weekend, like the updated RPI, Tennessee's six spots ahead. And, you know, we talked about it last week, too. I think the easy thing to point to with the RPI and how important that's been was the host decisions. But you look at all the bubble decisions, too, and those were basically yep. all largely True. RPI. So it, it, pretty consistent. This has really been the second decision from the NCAA selection tournament uh, committee that has not gone the way of RPI, with the first one being Auburn, whose AD was the chair of that or the chair of the committee getting the host being the only other one that didn't follow that suit with that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like this is kind of the way I've been trying to like walk the thin line. Cause I don't mean to like make it sound like Tennessee is just resume is just light years better than Southern Miss. Cause it's not like it's relatively comparable, but Tennessee is definitely better. Like yeah. you mentioned that four more wins for Southern Miss. That's like the only only real point that Southern Miss has in their favor. And obviously they played in the Sun Belt. They played a little bit of an easier schedule. And, but Tennessee RPI, strength of schedule, quality wins. They beat the national seed in the number overall, four overall seed Clemson last week while not losing a game. So like really everything you could point to on the field resume-wise, besides the four more wins Southern Miss has, goes to Tennessee's advantage. But uh, I think – I guess how it works is there's just like a lot of stand, uh, standing room only seats Southern Miss can sell uh, or maybe temporary bleachers. Um but it's, it's a little bit – it's like a 1,000 and change more seats they can sell per game than Tennessee. So uh, and you add that up over three games, you know, something like 2,500 if it goes two games or 3,500 uh, if it goes three games, more tickets still sell. So I think the money side of it was big. Uh, and then, you know, this is more speculation, but I'm not sure uh, the politics didn't, didn't play a role in, in all of this as well. Talk about the politics for a second. Now, obviously, it's not like you – you know, 100% know all, all the behind-the-scenes action here, but what would you think, politics-wise, wouldn't go in Tennessee's favor? Well, I know one of the, the committee chairs' son plays, not chair, but someone on the NCAA tournament committee's son plays for Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss's coach, I'm blanking on his name here, Scott Barry is what comes to mind. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. No, I apologies, right. apologies, Scott, if that's wrong. He's in his final year uh, coaching, and – you know, not that I think it's everything's like out to get Tennessee, but you know, I certainly don't think Tennessee's uh, had the cleanest res or cleanest resume is probably not the right word. You know, they've they've ticked some people off. The their last image few years. is different. Their image, most yes, their image is not yes. is not perfectly shiny. Reputation, clean. yeah, yeah, reputation is probably the word I was looking for more than resume. So yeah, I don't think that's like the deciding factor, but I also. <laughs> I think it's also safe to say that wasn't working in Tennessee's favor and Southern Miss kind of goes in the other direction with a lot of that as well. Yeah. I have a simple solution. It's it's, I don't even, I don't know how this isn't even in place. Clemson was the fourth national seed. Yeah. Tennessee won that region. Auburn was the 13th national seed. Southern Miss won that region Four better than 13. Bam. Whoever wins the four region hosts. It's that simple. Like, why is that a thing? I mean, it's, there should at the very least be something that it's not just like, we'll decide when we figure it out. I mean, that's literally, <laughs> it's like, we'll kick the can, we'll figure it out. That's literally the solution from the NCAA. There should be something set in stone. And what you just said is by far the most logical one of just whoever comes out of the higher seated region gets to host. But this is the same organization that has automatic suspensions for players getting ejected for 
talking slight trash or bat flipping and then they can't play huge, huge games with monumental stakes in the postseason. So logic and all that good stuff kind of feels like it goes out the window with the NCAA. Yeah. And, you know, as media members, we do we try, you know, you don't want to be biased. Right. And I, I don't think we're being biased at all. And I don't think any Tennessee media has been biased when saying that Tennessee definitely has a better resume. And more so than that, compare the cities, man. What part of their criteria, the NCAA's criteria when choosing these sites is how well the city can accommodate this type of event, right? <clears throat> Can't tell me that Hattiesburg is better than Knoxville in that area. Knoxville has hundreds of more hotels. They just have more resources available. I don't understand how Hattiesburg would beat Knoxville in that sense. I don't think it does. But, man, I just there's so many things I don't get about this decision. It's kind of like the inverse of the stadium stuff where – Sure, like Hattiesburg, it can host. Like, it's capable of doing it. It's done it before. But Knoxville is more well-equipped for it. And it's kind of the same yeah. way where, like, Tennessee has hosted before. Lindsey Nelson Stadium's plenty good enough of a venue. But the fact that they can get more fans and that Pete Taylor Field is a big advantage uh, for the NCAA. And it, it kind of feels like definitely money uh, carried today and, and maybe a little bit of politics, too, which if you have those two things working against you, it's – just about any factor of life, uh, you're probably not going to get the result you want. How about this ticket thing, man? The Tennessee gets 600 tickets in Southern Miss Stadium, um, you know, for themselves, and that family gets priority first, right? So 600 is technically given to the family of the players, and then whichever ones of those 600 don't get used up goes to Tennessee season ticket holders. I think I have that correct. Yeah, uh-huh, exactly. Donors and season ticket holders, and. You know, I would think it's, again, you probably have to be pretty high up in the pecking order of a donor or season ticket holder to have that option just because it's not that many seats. So, yeah, that's how it works. I think the thing that, and, you know, this is, I say I'm confused by it. I I mean this more from, like, a me personal standpoint. I'm not trying to put this on, like, Southern Miss of I'm just super smart and I can't get it. Like, I'm probably just missing something here. But, like, there's, I think the number is, like, 3,600 seat backs at Southern Miss. Okay. And they did have more attendance this year. Um, and I think they're going to be getting even more in this weekend. But the whole thing was like, or Southern Miss's whole thing was essentially, well, we got all these people were season ticket holders anyway, so we just got to give them first priority. We don't have anything left. I get that it hasn't just been to like 3,600 people there all season. There's been more than that. But it, like, again, the, my understanding is that they're getting more people in this weekend than they have most of the rest of the year. So season ticket holders if, can't account for all of that. Yeah, maybe they account for all that, but six hundred. I don't know. Uh, it's again, that's kind of uh, above my above my pay grade or above, above my knowledge level. Have you seen anything like this with the tickets thing? Because this is pretty freaking low, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen a lot of stuff like it. I just don't think I've seen anything quite to this degree. Like, I mean, you know, Tennessee's had it the last few years when they posted regionals or supers. Like, there aren't many tickets that they have left and like they get, do go, they have to Tennessee's credit. Like they've sold tickets on the, at the box office and uh, you know, online and they go super, super quick because there's not a ton of them. Uh, but so I've kind of seen generally speaking some stuff like this and the 600 tickets for away fans. I think it's pretty, uh, or given to the away team, I think is pretty standard um, okay. but quite to this degree where they don't sell anything. Uh, I, I don't think I right. think of, you know, think of anything off the top of my head. Well, Twitter has been wild the past couple of days. Hattiesburg and Applebee's have both trended 
in the past 24 hours on Twitter because our good friend Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel had a very tongue-in-cheek tweet about the fact that the local Applebee's in Hattiesburg is closed down. After further research and reading articles that were written after Mike's tweet, because of Mike's tweet, the Applebee's closed down and COVID makes sense. But regardless, this tweet itself didn't spark this whole thing. But people have taken this tweet and crafted their own tweets about the Applebee's being closed down, created memes. Heck, the city of Hattiesburg official yeah. Twitter account got into the mix. Then Southern Miss University got into the mix, not just the baseball account, but the university account. This has been a whole thing, and it is very, very funny. You got to go to Twitter and just look up Hattiesburg or Applebee's, search that, whatever you can to see all this, all these arguments. It feels like a rivalry has been born between Tennessee and Southern Miss fans just off of an Applebee's tweet. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty funny, and uh, you know, two things. I was talking to Mike about it today at the uh, Tennessee's availability, and he, like, by this point, he knew about it, but it was like yesterday. He had to be, he had no idea that what had happened in the mentions of his tweet. And you, I mean, you had told me about it this morning too. And to me, the best part is like Mike's whole tweet was just setting up so we could rip Applebee's because he hates Applebee's. Like he, the last time he'd been there was like in Columbia, Missouri. And if you go look at the tweet, you'll see it. He tweeted out the picture of these like chicken nuggets or boneless wings or something that are like Mm -hmm. raw in the middle. So his whole original tweet about the Applebee's was just like that. The only reason he tweeted that was to set up his second tweet where he could rip Applebee's and tweet the picture of his raw chicken that they served him in Columbia, Missouri, however many years ago, which is kind of hilarious. And that's what, what sparked the whole thing. It's absolutely amazing, man. And you, you know, we got, the the fact that the city of Hattiesburg was defending itself in multiple yeah. threats. It wasn't just one. There was one that was more popular than others, but they're like, you know, our economy's thriving. We got all these local restaurants. And then you got Southern Hattiesburg locals throwing shade at Knoxville for their what restaurants they like to go to. It's insane. And in fact, the local newspaper, I believe, wrote an article about um, Tennessee fans being mad that there's no Applebee's in Hattiesburg. So it has just gotten so wild. This is insane. Uh, definitely check it out if you have time. But Ryan, let's move on to baseball, right? That's why we're here. We're here to talk about yeah. baseball. So let's move on to the meat and potatoes of this upcoming weekend. You wrote a great little preview of Southern Miss on RockyTopInsider.com. You know, as I mentioned, they won the Sun Belt against Power 5 competition. I think this is a very interesting stat. Southern Miss was 1-3 against SEC teams this season. They lost midweek games against Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Alabama. And then they beat Auburn, of course, last weekend. Southern Miss's only other Power 5 opponent was Illinois. And Illinois won the 2 out of 3 in the weekend series. So, Southern Miss doesn't have a lot of experience playing teams like Tennessee. No, they don't. Not this season, though. I will say they hosted the Supers last year against Ole Miss and they have a lot of the same guys. And yeah, I've kind of gone back and forth on how I view that this week because there is an element of it that, yeah, that doesn't look great. Um, But at the same time, like, as as you know, Jack, like the midweeks, they're they're different, you know, Mm -hmm. Southern Miss probably isn't throwing their best pitchers and SEC teams aren't either, but uh, it's a different element. It's certainly a different intensity and their one win. Uh, over SEC teams came last week in a do-or-die game against Auburn. So uh, right. certainly that's a game that meant a lot, lot more than any of the games in the regular season, but especially the midweeks. So, and then the other one I would say is they swept Dallas Baptist early in the season and Dallas Baptist made it to a region final. And uh, I think 
again, it's who I don't know how Dallas Baptist was playing in, in early or in mid February when the season started, but I think Dallas Baptist is a better team than Mississippi State or Ole Miss this season. Like, I think that's probably pretty safe to say. And uh, they swept that series. So uh, they're certainly capable. Um, and I don't think you can read too, too much uh, into some of those things, but it is definitely worth noting. And I would say probably, again, it's early in the season, but uh, dropping that series to Illinois, I would say, is probably a more uh, damning thing for, for Southern Miss when I look back at the resume than the fact that they went 0-3 in, in midweek games against SEC teams. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, it was a great job by Southern Miss to get out of the loser's bracket in the Auburn Regional. It's Very impressive. Not, not yeah. forget, they lost um, game one to Samford and then, uh, you know, beat Auburn and then went on to beat Samford on Sunday morning and then beat Penn twice in a row. So they made quite the run to get out of the loser's bracket and win that region. And Southern Miss got some good pitchers. The one that sticks out the most is righty Tanner Hall. He's the ace. They worked him quite a lot this past weekend. He threw 123 pitches in game one last Friday night, and then they threw him again on Monday. So this guy was used quite often here in the region. I don't know if he's going to be able to go for game one on Saturday. You'd think that if he was, that's who Southern Miss would throw. But given the fact of how many pitches he threw this past weekend, maybe a little bit up in there. Of course, Southern Miss gets a little help with the series being Saturday through Monday. Definitely. That that was a big benefit. And I think when you talk about how impressive it was, Southern Miss pulling itself out of loser's bracket is the fact that Tanner Hall threw 100 and what well, you just said, number 123 pitches or whatever it was in that game mm-hmm. when they lost to Sanford. Like he pitched, I think, at least nine innings. That game went into extras. Um, so the fact that they were able to do that, and I, he turned around and threw 30 something pitches uh, in the Monday game against Penn and threw somewhere between 150, 160 uh, on the weekend. So you're right. He'll start at some point. It fills up in the air whether it'll be Saturday. Certainly the fact that it's not Friday, I think, makes it possible that he pitches Saturday. Um, but to yeah. me, the thing is, it's going to be like, how effective can he be? And how many pitches can he throw? Because I would think he could get to 100 again, but I, it's hard to think he's going to be able to get to like 120 and still be really effective just because that's that's a lot of wear and tear uh, that he had on his arm last week. And we'll see uh, exactly how that affects him this week you know i've seen there's been pitchers that have done that and it's still been really effective kevin cops is the guy that goes comes to mind for arkansas a few years ago it felt like his arm was going to fall off every weekend but he still just kept on getting out tanner hall could be that guy he is largely a pitch to contact guy gets a lot of ground ball outs a good sinker uh, which i think will bode well if he can attack the strike zone and maybe be a little more efficient with his pitch count um but that's kind of what stands out with him but it's gonna be a tall task for him to come out there and uh, pitch effectively over a long outing. Yeah, Tanner Hall's got some really great stats on the season. 12-3 and record, 208 ERA, 102 whip. Uh, in his junior season, he's been their best pitcher and a really good starter for them all season. Another name to keep an eye on is Billy Oldham. He's another weekend starter. He's got really good numbers. Pitched really well against Auburn, um, giving up just four hits and two earned runs and five and two-thirds. This may be the guy Tennessee sees on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's really possible, and uh, they're going to see him starting at some point, uh, almost yeah. certainly, I think. And uh, that's it, kind of one of the things that's been interesting about Southern Miss is they've really used four starters pretty consistently throughout the season with Nico Mazza and Will Armistead being the other two. Um, and uh, Excuse me, not Will Armistead, Matthew Adams being the other one. And behind Hall, all three of the other guys' numbers are pretty similar. In some ways, it kind of reminds me of Tennessee in which they have a bunch of solid arms, and Andrew Lindsay's kind of been the best guy. And behind them, 
not quite the depth that Tennessee has, but a handful of guys that have been really effective in uh, longer stretches this season. So uh, they'll see, I guess, like you said, I think almost certainly see Oldham at some point. And then Mazza and Adams are two guys that they'll see for sure. Uh, the question is just going to be which one ends up starting. Also, another incredible stat going back to Tanner Hall. He's thrown 108 innings this season. That's incredible. The highest on Tennessee's is Dolander with 78. It's 30 more. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty, I mean, you said it, incredible. And he's been a workhorse for them, which is why, like, my first instinct when I looked at all the pitches he threw last weekend is like, Surely this dude can't like throw more than 75 and be that effective. But he's again, he's kind of been a workhorse for him and, and it's just given him a ton of innings and continually churned out outs and been really effective. So uh, we'll see. I'm, you know, I don't want to doubt him too much just because he's kind of proven himself time and time again that you might count the guy out with how much he's had to work, but he continues to, to get outs. Will Armistead's their top bullpen arm looks like he's got a 169 ERA. Um, he's made 15 appearances on the season, pitched 42 innings. Um, he, he feels like the top arm out of the bullpen for the Golden Eagles. Any other bullpen names you want to point out here? Uh, Justin Storms made a lot of appearances too, as well as Cross Sively. Yeah, it's been a handful of guys that – it really goes about seven deep is what it feels like, where the guys they use a lot, not in the bullpen, but overall. Uh, and Cross Sively is one that really stands out just because – He's a left-handed arm, and there aren't a ton of left-handed pitchers uh, in this. Good for Tennessee. Uh, yeah, good for Tennessee in the Southern Miss bullpen. I mean, I just said like seven guys they use a lot, and really mm-hmm. two of them are lefties, and they're probably like five and six in that pecking order. Uh, so Justin Storm and Cross Sibley, you would think because of Tennessee's I, struggles, feels like a little overblown. I mean, they saw a ton of lefties last weekend and were, real, and were effective offensively, but mm-hmm. they've been better against right-handed guys. So you know those left-handed guys are going to get a, a lot of runs. So uh, because of that, so you would think Justin Storm and, and Cross Sibley are two guys that are going to be really important. And there's been a lot of uh, – you mentioned Armstead's been good out of the bullpen. Uh, I think Storm maybe has been their most effective guy out of the bullpen, 41 in a third innings and a .94 whip in two six one ERA. But that, that whip number especially to me is really impressive. There you go. Oh, Southern Miss's offense isn't going to blow you away by any stretch of the imagination. But they got a couple of dudes. They got a couple of dudes hitting over 300, and they've got four players with double-digit home runs, one with 20, and that is Slade Wilkes. That is a wonderful name, if I might say. But your thoughts on Southern Miss's offense after your research? Yeah, Slade Wilkes, that's a baseball name right there. Like yeah. That's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, he's the guy that stands out because you said it. He's got 20 home runs and then 12 more doubles uh, to add on top of that. So, And he's the RBI leader with 58. So he's been really good. Um, I think one thing that you guy you have to have be really have circled if you're Tennessee is Dustin Dickerson, and he's been a really good contact hitter and doubles guys for them all year. He hit six home runs last weekend at the Auburn Regional. Did you see the Doubled. last one he hit? No, I don't think so. The three run home run on Monday's game. Oh my goodness! No, I missed it. No, he didn't even yeah. leave the box. Like he swung and he just kind of stood there and he didn't like even move until that thing was. <laughs> 100 yards past the left field. Well, obviously, I'm exaggerating, but that thing was beat. Yeah. Yeah. So he's already was one of their better hitters, and now he comes into this weekend just red hot. So yeah. uh, I think those are the two guys that you really circle. Um, and I guess the thing that stands out the most uh, to me about the offense is that it's just really heavy doubles offense. Uh, 128 is a hole on the team that's 30th nationally. And you go down and look at the list, and there's just a lot of guys with double digit doubles uh, in. 
Dodor may not be a ton of ton of guys that are big home run threats. They got a lot of guys that can hit for extra bases. And, you know, one thing that I think is interesting, the dimensions are a little bit bigger at this ballpark, but Tony Vitello said today that it still plays pretty offensive. Uh, so I'm kind of curious to see exactly how that would play out. Cause that was kind of my thought on why there were so many doubles. The dimensions are a little bit longer. That leads to less home runs, more extra base hits, but he says it plays offensive and certainly is a lot smarter than I am. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He Tony Vitello knows more about baseball than you and I will ever know. That is for sure. He's forgotten more than we'll ever yeah, know. But that's, yep. The Southern Miss offense is very similar to Clemson's now that I think about it with these high double doubles. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, it really is. And it's not quite the average guys. Like Clemson had like probably six or seven deep of guys that were hitting like 275, 280 plus. Southern Miss doesn't have that. Um, but still at the same time, no like Super weak links, easy outs in the lineup either. There you go. So, Southern Miss is a good baseball team. We've established that. They got some dudes on the mound. They got some dudes at the plate. But Clemson was a better baseball team, for sure. It feels like if, you know, Tennessee played probably their best baseball or close to their best baseball last weekend, they were very, very good. feels like if Tennessee plays 85% as good or so as they did against Clemson, I think they win this series. Do you share that sentiment? I do. And, you know, I think the thing I would really point to is the defense just because that's gotten Tennessee in trouble, trouble so much this year. And it was so good last weekend. And it's like we have a such confidence in the pitching to be really good. And especially with the depth of it, that it's like the defense can be good behind them. Like Tennessee's just going to be hard to beat in a three game series because you're just not going to have a ton of offensive productivity. So uh, the, the term Vitello was using today was the guys are, you know, plugged in and, and dialed in and locked in defensively. And, that's what they were last weekend. They didn't commit an error. They made a handful of really nice plays. Almost made a couple other ones. And I think that's kind of the thing that more than anything I'm going to point to. If, if Tennessee is good there, I think they're going to be really hard to beat unless we just see something really unexpected from the pitching staff. That's right. And, you know, something great for Tennessee going in this weekend, all the pitchers are relatively fresh. You know, Lindsey's yeah. the only one who threw over 100. And... You know, you, you figure he'll be good to go on eight days rest on Saturday night, and then the bullpen super fresh. Nobody went super long outside of Chase Burns, and we know he's a horse and can go again as well. Also, last point I want to make about this weekend before we get into just the meat of our predictions here, weather was originally looking like it was going to be a factor. Doesn't seem to be too bad as originally forecasted. I think only one day has a oh has a above a fifty percent chance of rain. So this really helps Tennessee, especially too, because we've seen we've seen them be really, really bad in bad weather this season. Yes, that's true. And I think the other thing that was gonna stand out was just the humidity and, you know, the ball not traveling as far yeah. uh, on really humid days and what was already a little bigger bit of a bigger ballpark. And, you know, Tennessee's been a little home run dependent at times this season. So uh, I think that but you're right, that bodes well for Tennessee and we might have we might have joked about it on the last podcast. We probably didn't since we didn't even know it was going to be Southern Miss yet. But I'm sure Tennessee will keep wearing those black uniforms because they played so well on them last weekend. But whew, those black uniforms in, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi in mid-June, whew, it's going to be hot. Yeah, it's it's going to be over 90 degrees probably every day until the until the nighttime, you know. So that's going to be tough. <laughs> that's going to be tough. You think they'll wear them if they win? I think they'll wear them Saturday, right? But if yeah. – they lose maybe they change it up but i mean do they wear them until they lose them oh i definitely wear them until they lose them and i think they might wear them every game no matter what especially if they win the first game and lose the second game i bet they i bet they'll be back out in the black uniforms game three 
There you go. That's crazy. <laughs> what if the, what if they just wear the black uniform? Yeah, I mean, not not saying they're going to win the College World Series or anything, but just just take one. What if they just took one? Yeah, like, they just took one one uniform and said, "Screw screw you, managers. You're doing laundry every day." Got to ask that question. Got to try and get the answer to that question if they wear them, you know, Saturday and Sunday. I think that'd be a good time to ask that question. Yeah, I think so. They took any other jerseys? All right, prediction time. Feels like we're going Tennessee. You said on the last podcast that even if it was in Hattiesburg, you're going Tennessee. You, you sticking to your guns here. What do we think is going to happen? I'm sticking to my guns, and you know, you've kind of joked with me or, or uh, needled me about not being too bold with my predictions, not picking sweeps this year. I'm picking a sweep. I think Tennessee. Well, not really sweep, but I'm predicting Tennessee to do it in two games. Uh, I mean, they get in, they get out. Old. You know, Tanner Hall can make me look really dumb with that prediction, just because he is so good, and I. I think at the worst case he'll throw on Sunday for Southern Miss, but I just think Tennessee is the better team and they're playing really well right now. And I have a lot of faith in Andrew Lindsay and I have a lot of faith in what Tennessee can do with, with Chase Dolander if he's on. And even if he's not on, like his bad starts haven't been that bad. And Tennessee's bullpen behind them is has plenty of dudes. Uh, and I just think over the course of the weekend, Tennessee's arms on the mound is going to overwhelm Southern Miss. Tony likes that Dolander Burns combo. I think you only need one to be good, you know, just of those two. Yeah, you're right. As long as the alternative isn't, like, really bad, which I think is more kind of where you flip-flop, like, where Dolander, besides Mississippi State when he was sick, even his, like, not great appearances haven't been bad. Now, Burns' Burns's bad appearances have been very bad. Yes. Uh, so that he, could kind yeah, of create things. Be bad. But if he's coming out of the bullpen, you know, you just got to have a quick hook with him. Yeah, and hopefully, for Tennessee's sake, it wouldn't be in too high leverage of a situation to where – It'd be like a, you know, giving up three runs at the end of an inning or something like that, like we saw in South Carolina. Yeah, in South Carolina. Yeah, South that Carolina. was way worse, but that was a nightmare scenario. But yeah, yeah, that was kind of exactly what I what I had in mind when you started that sentence. I'm going Tennessee too, man. I don't know if it'll go just two. I was thinking a couple of days ago it'd probably go three, but I feel like Tennessee that you know. Yesteryear teams more so than this team, 2021 and 2022 more so than 2023. Tennessee's still a team that gets fired up, and they use that to fuel their fire. And the fact that they're not hosting, you think that's you know, playing into maybe firing them up a little bit this weekend as they go into Hattiesburg? Yeah, you know, that's something that, like, stuff like that I usually think is really overblown because at this time of the year, no one needs any extra motivation. But at the same time, I've kind of kind of gone the opposite side with this one where it's just like, since Tony Vitello's been at Tennessee, they are their, at their best when they have a chip on their shoulder. And mm-hmm. having to go to Hattiesburg, I think, gives them that chip on their shoulder. And, you know, I said, talked about talking to Camden Sewell uh, for a feature story. He kind of, you know, said something to that extent in, in uncertain terms, too, that they, you know, felt a little disrespected. That might not have been the word he used, but that's kind of the, the vibe he was putting off. And uh, they were they were fired up to, to prove, uh, prove they can do it on the road. I mean, I'm sure they were a tad fired up after they didn't even host a regional. Now, yeah. It's even ampl- more amplified, right? As you're not hosting Definitely. Southern Miss. So, game one Saturday is at three Eastern on ESPNU. Do you know the TV details after that? I don't. I don't know them. So no, I don't. I don't they haven't announced game time or TV details for the rest of the weekend yet. Gotcha. Well, game one Saturday, three Eastern, ESPNU. Ryan will be there in attendance, having you guys covered at Rocky Top Insider. As always, can give him a follow as well at rshump 0 That's S C H. UMP. Ryan, you have anything to add as we close out here on this Thursday? No, I guess the one last thing I would say, uh, we mentioned the right-handed pitching, I think, bodes well for Tennessee. 
Southern Miss, not a ton of base stealers either. It's like three guys that have stolen like more than six or more bases this year. Yeah, One of them, I think, is in like the, the mid-teens. So uh, there's a couple options, but that's not really a strength for Southern Miss, which obviously bodes well for Tennessee. They have two guys who have stolen more than six bases. One has stolen 13-123. Matthew Etzel, that would be the name to keep an eye on. But, I mean, hey, Cal Stark's been so good at catching base stealers these past few weeks. It's not even something you have to really majorly worry about about Tennessee anymore, I don't believe. Yeah, no, no. He's been so good that, you know, it was something that, again, I didn't even think to bring up until the very last point. So, uh, he's really mitigated those concerns. um, But, again, some team that's really active running, I still think wouldn't be a great matchup for Tennessee. Um, but yeah, I mean, he Clemson wanted to be really aggressive on the base pass and Tennessee made them pay for that, which I think is the craziness of the game is really easy to forget about. I mean, runner caught stealing third with one out in the, whatever that was, the seventh inning guy trying to stretch a single, do a double in the eighth. Like Tennessee did a lot to make Clemson pay for being aggressive on the base pass. And that's where, again, it was like Tennessee just hung around in that game. They did enough offensively off Kid and Grice. And then Chase Burns really studied things and uh, certainly making Clemson pay uh, or picking up some outs on the base paths uh, was a big part of that as well. There you have it. DeAndre Hopkins going to be a Tennessee Titan come Monday morning? I doubt it. Uh, I don't know why in the world he would want to go come play for the Titans. I mean. Got that variable connection. He does have the variable connection. And I don't know. Unless the Titans spend more money than he's worth. Uh I don't oh. see why he would choose why he choose Tennessee, but they should do that. To your point, they should 100 percent overpay him. Well, all the talk was Chiefs Bills, and then it was leaked. Hop wanted 20 mil, and then all that went away. <laughs> yeah, Chiefs which I don't Bills. think the Titans. I don't think the Titans are going to give him 20 mil either. But maybe somewhere in the the 15 to 20 mil ballpark, where I imagine most people are probably 10, 15. Like that feels like probably what his actual worth is. Mm-hmm. Well, Odell got what he wanted, so maybe Hop. That's true. Does. Yeah, Let's that's see. true. Titans need him though badly. That badly, yeah. Even kind of come close to competing in that division. Oh, you see the shirt I'm wearing today? Oh gosh, it was yeah, always well, the Jags. The Jags they joined the Titans in playing in a Mickey Mouse indoor stadium. I mean, as as horrible as it is, the Titans are going to play in an indoor stadium in Tennessee. Jacksonville's in freaking Florida and they're going to play. Yeah, in but an you see stadium. that sick pond outside the stadium? No, I will say the renderings for the stadium do look much cooler. Than the Whole Foods they're building uh, in where Nissan Stadium used to be in Nashville, it it does. I tweeted about it, and you probably saw it. Genuinely sickening to me the thought of Georgia Florida taking place indoors. Disgusting. <laughs> Man, I, but maybe that'll be what finally gets them to go on campus and do home at home because that's what true. I would like them to do. Yeah, uh, that should be done anyway, right? Especially yeah, so if, maybe this is the motivation they need. Especially if the SEC is going to screw this whole thing up and make it a one rivalry game per year model yeah georgia florida has to go to campus campus because that's your only rivalry game which georgia florida would be the rivalry it had it at a neutral site that's so weak so yeah that's very that's a very good point hopefully best of both worlds would come you know if that scenario happened all right that's gonna do it we're that's enough rambling for this episode <laughs> of the rocket top insider press pass baseball edition podcast i'm no longer calling it a special edition because we've been podcasting like twice a week talking baseball this ain't no special edition anymore this is just regular stuff here before ryan i'm jack we'll catch you this weekend on instant reaction pods from each of tennessee southern miss baseball games and as always stay locked in with rocket tap insider all weekend long and have a great rest of your week